Welcome back. This is the Alchemist Nation podcast. My name is Gualter Morello, and I have the pleasure of traveling all across the country talking about real estate, business, and success with entrepreneurs who have become masters of what they do. Today is no different. Today, I'm actually with, with an esteemed author. I've got Bob Berg, the author of the book, The Go-Giver. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gualter. Great to be with you. So I noticed, the uh, first thing I noticed when I saw you log in was you have a monster library behind you. <laughs> yeah, one, that's one, one small part of my home library. I, I always tell people my, my home is uh, comprised of books with some scattered furniture. <laughs> so you've been collecting books for a while then. Now, all well, those books behind you, have you read them? Yeah, I, well, I mean, most of them. I mean, so, you know, there, there's always those books that you have or someone sends you and you don't get a child. Although most of those are on the desk way to my left. Um, so I've got a whole home full of, of these kinds of, of, uh, shelves with books. And I mean, I, I'd say 95% of them I've read, uh, or have research, you know, used as research and so forth. But toughest thing for me is if I have a book, the toughest thing is to not read it because I almost feel a sense of guilt, right? You know, if you haven't read the whole book, it's like th there's some sort of you know, sin to that. And there really isn't because you don't have to read the whole book of every book. There's some things you're going to take a few ideas or somewhere a certain chapter has some information you want, but there's something about it on an emotional level that I feel like I've got to go through the whole book. I like that. You know, the author worked hard to create it and now you want to make sure that you've done service to the <laughs> author. That has something to do with it probably. Yeah. So You've, you've become an author of not just one book, um, a series of books, and you actually wrote the book uh, Referral. Uh, what is the name? Yeah, Endless Referrals. That Endless was my Referrals. First one, yeah. that, was, that was one of the books that really got me thinking about people and social, like, oh, as a you. way to actually be more than just friends with people. Like, I could actually raise myself up in life and feel better about those relationships. What, what inspired the book? How did I... How did you even get into writing books? Yeah, well, I mean, it was because back. I was in sales myself and there were certain things that worked and certain things that didn't. And, you know, I, I learned from a lot of other great people. I've had very few, and I would say I've had no original thoughts in my life, but I've been able to learn from a lot of people. And, uh, and I think what you do is you kind of take what you've learned and you synthesize it uh, according to your own values and according to your own style and according to what seems to work best. And, and, um, so really, endless referrals was the was the system, if you will, that I put together. And I I always define a a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how to principles. I love the that. key being predictability, right? If it's been proven that by doing A you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that as long as you do A and continue to do A and continue to do A, you'll eventually get the desired result of B. So, so endless referrals was a system I put together for salespeople and entrepreneurs who, you know, they knew they had a great product or service, they knew it brought great value to others, but they may not have felt comfortable with. Um, uh, they may not have felt sorry. That was a public safety alert that they yeah. came up on the, the phone. <laughs> you just can't predict those. Yeah, live, live video, right? You just you don't know. And um, awesome. so you know, it was for those people who who didn't feel comfortable going out into their communities and uh, and developing the kinds of relationships where people would want to do business with them directly and or refer them to others. So so that's why I wrote endless referrals. It was a you know standard how to. On, on how to do that, how to create those no like and trust relationships. 
Yeah, and I like it. And the book really changed um, the way I looked at people and I looked at, changed the way I looked at relationships because I've discovered that people are really simple, right? Like it's, they're not really complex machines. Like they just want to be cared about and they want to know if somebody cares about them. And if you do, almost like reading an author's book, you're like, well, I feel guilty if I don't. There's, <laughs> there's this law of reciprocity to it. So when, when did you realize it? Like at what point did you realize you were a referral guy? You weren't just calling people in and like looking for business. You were a referral person. Well, as when I was in sales, I realized that was just the best way to do business with referred prospects. It's easier to set the appointment. Obviously you're going in on borrowed influence. Right. And uh, so as opposed to having to make all those calls, not that that's not a necessary part at, at a certain point, And we all have to do those things, but we want to get to the point where, where we're meeting new prospects through the influence of others. Okay. So it's just easier to set the appointment with referred prospects. Price is generally less of an issue. Uh, it doesn't mean it's a non-issue or not an issue, but it's less of an issue because you're already going in based on that borrowed influence, borrowed trust. So you come in with that sense of, um, uh, you know, that, that sense of gravitas, if you will. So, so you can sell on high value as opposed to low price as your competitors probably are. And we all know when you sell on low price, you're a commodity. When you sell on high value, you're a resource. And that's how you want to be positioned and referrals help in that. Uh, with referred prospects, it's easier to complete the transaction or close the sale, however you want to say it, because uh, again, borrowed trust or what we call vicarious experience. So in other words, no, this person has never done business with you personally, but someone who they know, like, and trust has said, hey, this is the person to go with. This is the only person you need to speak to. They're going to take care of you. They're going to have your best interest at heart. Their product or service is fantastic. They guarantee it. It's, you know what I'm saying? And that just makes it so much easier. And then uh, another great uh, element or benefit of a referred prospect is they're already of the mindset that that's how you do business because that's how they met you. So in their world, they see you as your position to as that person who meets their prospects through referral is able to sell on high value rather than low price, completes the, the sale, and then receives more referral. So I just knew that was just a, you know, a way to do business that makes your business really a lot more fun, a lot less stressful, and a lot more profitable. And, and so I decided to really study, learn, test, and, and I built a referral business for myself and then you know, taught it to others. You're, you're something of a scientist of the human mind or the scientist of relationships. You know, I look at Thank you. obviously this conversation and all the books in the background, the, the way you go through and you say the word process often, like you, you must have looked at these relationships over and over and over and said something here is consistently happening and you, you able to like communicate that. Cause I think there's a lot of people who do figure it out, but they're not able to communicate it as, as fun as you do. <laughs> well, thank you. I, you know, I think it's really, when you think about it, it's a, a continuous study of human nature. That's really what it is because who are we dealing with when it comes to business? We're dealing with human beings. Who are we dealing with in our personal relationships, our social relationships, right? To human beings. So it would make sense then that to the degree that we understand the basics of human nature, the general psychological aspects of a human being, uh, and of course we're all individuals and we all operate individually. We all pursue happiness according to our individual values, desire. Absolutely. 
yet there are certain elements of humanity, of human nature, that are the same. And when we understand this and we accept it and we work within those elements of human nature, now we're really nine steps ahead of the game in a, in a 10 step game. I like it. So Bob, I got to ask a question because, you know, I own all of these. Oh, Why, thank you. How did, how did you get through this? Like after I read the first one, I immediately bought the other three and I just went through in a week. I banged through each one. Wow. Thank you. How did you come up with the stories? I mean, this is fantastic. Like each one well, is different, but they tie back to the first one. <laughs> yeah. So I had a great co-author, John David Mann. Right. And John is a, I mean, you know, I'm a, and you can tell already, I pro processes, systems, right? I'm a how-to guy. I'm boring, basically, okay? <laughs> John is a brilliant, brilliant storyteller and fantastic writer. In fact, he has his first novel, a thriller coming out in, uh, in July that he co-authored with Brandon Webb, the famous Navy SEAL, who they've worked on a few uh, leadership books together, but now they, they, they co-authored a, a thriller you know, coming up called Steel Fear, uh, which takes place on a submarine. And, you know, it's, and uh, so, yeah, he's just a magnificent writer. And so that's, you know, that's why the stories sing as they do, you know, because of John's brilliance. Yeah, it's just absolutely fascinating how you have the the logical information piece and then the story like brings it through and you figured out really clearly, at least on this project, that you got to partner with people. How, what, what brought you to that? What made you realize like, I can't have all the money myself. Or I can't have all the fame myself. I've got to <laughs> well, partner people. So, so every book I've done before the Go-Giver series and after the Go-Giver series have been solo efforts and not solo efforts because you always have other people, you know, editors and different people who, who help. But I'm telling you, as far as the authorship, we're all singularly authored, mono-authoric. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and, and so, but those were all how-to books, right? right? So that, you know, the Endless Referrals book, the Art of Persuasion book, uh, the lat my latest how-to book, which was um, Adversaries into Allies. Those are all, you know, just, but that's different from writing a story. See, I can tell a story from stage, but it's usually something that happened. And well, it's always something that happened, but then you, 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 um, take it to that next logical state in order to make the point, to validate the, the, the how-to point that you said. That's different. That's a, you know, a, anyone can pretty much do that. There's a big difference between that and writing a work that while it's based on proven principles is a, a book of fiction, which is what the Go-Giver books are. And right. so um, so I knew that was outside my my strength zone, you know, not outside my comfort zone, but outside my, my strength zone. It, it just wasn't my, you know, that's not my forte. So I, I knew John because he was the editor in chief of a magazine I used to write for. And uh, at the time, you know, he wasn't well known like he is now. He was well known within his niche. Okay. Everyone within his niche knew he was brilliant, but, you know, few people outside knew him. And after the Go Giver came out, uh, he became the sort of the, the co author and or ghost writer of choice whenever a whenever a publisher or an agent had a celebrity, a big business person, an athlete, a politician, someone who had a book, John's the one they would want to write it, okay? But back then, very few people knew who he was. Well, fortunately, I was one of them who did. <laughs> and right. so I had, I had asked him to be the uh, co-author and the lead writer, storyteller. And, uh, you know, fortunately he said yes. And, and so we, we put it together. And let's, as I say, one thing led to another, and here we are. 
So you wrote another book, uh, The Art of Persuasion, which I regret that I have not read it yet, but as soon as this conversation's over, I'll be ordering it. I, I See, I would say don't order that one, okay? Because I wrote that one quite a while ago. The one that I wrote called, called Adversaries into Allies, that's The Art of Persuasion 15 years later. And it's a much better book. The challenge is the, the art of- I'm ordering this now. Huh? Say the, it again. Uh, so it's, it's called, yeah, Adversaries into Allies. And okay. the subtitle is Master the Art of Ultimate Influence. Although uh, I've since changed ultimate influence to genuine influence because I think it's a, it's a, a nicer word and it's better. But but yeah, that's what it says. But it's Adversaries into to, uh, Allies. It, it, uh, this one right like is. Yeah, well, okay. So yeah, that, that, that's the hard, uh, that was the hardcover. This is the, the paperback. So either, either one, but yes, that would be the same, same book. Got it. Ordered. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. That's um, so I, do you use NLP at all now? Cause when you say influence, I, I immediately think hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, or is this a truly the art of relationships? Yeah. Uh, not, not that I have anything against NLP that, that they have some great, great stuff. You know, in fact, I took a course just uh, from a, an NLP practitioner just so I could learn, you know, what it was about. So on a uh, surface level, I understand NLP, but I'm not a practitioner. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be able to go, you know, go in and do it like a lot of those great uh, NLP practitioners can. Uh, no. So this is really just, you know what it is? It's just how to, how to get the results you want when dealing with others in such a way that not only does everyone come away better off than they were beforehand, which of course is so important, but that you help the other person to feel good about themselves, about the situation and about you. I so, like that. Yeah. So it's, it's very much, it's one of those things where you don't have to learn five ways to do this or seven ways to do this or, or, you know, so I, it's kind of just very intuitive, very, you know, naturally you can go through it and boom, you're able to, to apply it. Awesome. Allies into adversaries into allies. This is um, a huge opportunity because that's, that's my biggest mission on the planet is I want to build a hundred millionaires. So I want to inspire people, but it, it can be very polarizing, Bob. As I say the word millionaire, people will say, oh my God, like they just want to get rich or I don't want to be that. I just want to be comfortable. What would you give me for advice? If I was looking to truly build a hundred millionaires or inspire people, what, what would you say is the easiest way to go out and communicate with them? Well, I think first we have to always, you know, we always have to check the premise. We always have to ask, why is it that people would react as opposed to respond? Because it's a visceral reaction when they hear millionaire or they hear, you know, wealth or something like that. And why is there a negative, uh, you know, kind of reaction to that? And of course, in the, in the Go-Giver, we talk about the law of receptivity right? Which says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving, which means what? It means you understand that you breathe out, but you also have to breathe in. It's not one or the other. You breathe out carbon dioxide, you breathe in oxygen, you breathe out, which is giving, you breathe in, which is receiving. Despite the message from the world around us, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts, not at all. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. 
Now we we know that the the, the laws of life, laws of, of nature, laws of human nature, laws of economic nature say you've got to, the giving comes first, right? You know you uh, you you uh, plant before you harvest, you sow before you reap, you give before you receive. It's like Pindar said to Joe in the in the uh, beginning of the story. He said, you know, some people go up to a fireplace and say, first you give me some heat and some fire, then I'll throw on some wood and a newspaper and light a mat. Well, life doesn't work that way. You give, you give, and then you receive. This is why John and I say that money is simply an echo of value, right? It's the thunder to values lightning. It means the giving must be the focus, right? Because remember, nobody's going to buy from you or do business with you because you need the money. Right. Okay. Uh, they're not going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet and they're not even going to buy from you because you're a nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so, which is great. It means that entrepreneur or salesperson who can truly and authentically place their focus on serving another human being, that's the person who creates that benevolent context for success. So if that's the case, and the only way that you can really make a lot of money is to serve a lot of people, why then we should ask, do people have such a negative feeling about a you know, millionaire and money and right? Right. And it's the world around us. It's the messages we receive from practically everywhere. And it starts young, often from, you know, upbringing, environment, schooling, uh, you know, newspapers, uh, you know, or what, what those things that we used to have newspapers, you know, uh, news, uh, movies, television shows where the messages are so often when it comes to prosperity and abundance and money and business, they're not mixed messages. They're absolutely horrible messages. Look at the, the, um, political messaging of the last election about how they're, no one should be a millionaire, right? We should get rid of all millionaires and billionaires shouldn't exist. And, and you know, the, the important thing to ask is, well, why? Would that be a good thing? You know, why is that true that millionaires shouldn't exist? What would happen if they didn't? And what would it mean if there were no millionaires? And when you think back, it would mean nothing was created that enough people found beneficial to use. All right right? That there, what it would mean is nothing had happened and we'd be so less advanced than we, than we are. Now, if somebody made their millions or their billions through cronyism, as opposed to free market capitalism, if they did it through cronyism, through donations, uh, through their lobbyists to the politicians who made special rules and regulations that gave them an unfair advantage and, you know, kept out the, by all means, not only should they not be a millionaire or billionaire, they should be in jail. Okay. But, that's rarely the case. Well, it, it's the case when it comes to Washington and when it comes to, but in terms of the people we know, yeah. okay. And the, the average people, person. <laughs> right. The average person, uh, that's not, it just isn't true. The only way, the only way you can be a millionaire or a billionaire, you know, is to provide immense value to the lives of lots and lots of people who willingly choose to buy from you because they believe they will be better off by doing so, right? right. And right. so when someone understands that, now they see that if you've made a million dollars by providing something to the marketplace that helped others, that's righteous. You don't wanna get, a, get rid of millionaire, you wanna have as many millionaires as you can. 
That was magical. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's a matter of, 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 you know, first of all, when you say about creating millionaires, there's going to be people who, first of all, are going to say, yeah, great, wonderful. Okay. So these are the people, what you've got to teach them though, is you're only going to make this million by serving tons of people with great value. Okay. Right. But you, they'll learn that. And that that's fine. It's the ones who say, oh, millionaire, oh, I wouldn't want to be, say, that's fine. And I appreciate you're saying that. So let's just look at it for a second. Okay. And let's discuss why that is. I love it. And, and, you know, because again, you're totally entitled to your beliefs. I just want to dig a little deep and let's just, let's just look at together. What is it about being a millionaire that would not be a good thing? What would it mean? Okay. And so now what you're going to do is you're going to get to what people really think being a millionaire. I mean, it means I took advantage of people. I did this, I did that. Cause what do you see in all the movies? My friend, Randy Gage, one of the greatest, uh, speakers today and authors on prosperity and prosperity mindset. He does this great vignette about how practically every major, you know, big box office smash movie features two types of people in it. Okay. There, there are the good people who are generally portrayed as struggling, being poor, but they're happy. They're always poor, but happy. Okay. But they're always being picked on, put down, stepped on, stepped over, taken advantage of by who? The rich people who are always evil and cowardly and terrible and they have no soul and that, right? And, yep. and he, he, he takes a scene in, in um, and I think this is a very telling scene. It, it was from the first Spider-Man movie. And, and Uncle Ben and Peter are, are talking about, you know, that, that, about being poor and so forth. And Uncle Ben says these words, he says, Peter, we may not be rich, but at least we're honest. Oh, <laughs> what a horrible, horrible message for some young teenager to, to see. Okay. Right. Uh, and someone might say, well, but it's just a movie. Well, first, no, it's not just a movie. It's pretty much every movie. But even yeah. so, the message, this is the kind of messaging that kids get. And they wow. grow up with. And it's not that they're consciously thinking, oh, money is bad, but inside, in the, on the, in the unconscious at part of our brain, that's exactly what they're thinking. So they're living with this thought and they see this thought and every time they see someone who's wealthy, they're, they're not asking, oh, I wonder who they served and how many they served to get that. They're saying, oh, I wonder what they had to do to get, right? right. And so then when they're adults, and they're, they're you know, doing some great work and creating that benevolent context for money to come to them. And it does, instead of receiving it with gratitude and with love, what they're doing instead is, and again, this is not conscious. This is on the, the inside, this is the unconscious. So, well, wait a second, but I'm honest. I hold honesty as a high value. I'm a nice person, I'm a kind person. People who make all this money, they did it on the backs of others by taking advantage of others. I would never do that. So what did I do? Wrong, right? right? And are people going to still <laughs> like me? What are people going to think of me? Are people going to think I've changed? Is it going to change me? It, right now, these. And yeah. so, you know, my belief, my feeling is that we need to proactively study abundance because all the garbage that we hear about it, it that comes in naturally. 
you, you can find that and do find that everywhere. So that's right. why people like, you know, Randy Gage and Bob Proctor and David Nagel and Sharon Lecter and, and uh, Ellen Rogan and Ken Honda of Japan and some of these people, I mean, they blog and they have books on this and they, they do videos and they do, you know, and they write on it. And I mean, you can study this stuff. And 99.9% .9 of what they talk about is the inside game. And, right. uh, you know, you teach people how to actually go out and do it and get, the, you know, do the thing to add the value to bring it. But they're saying, hey, but to, in order to really do that, you've got to be able to accept it. You've got to be at a place where you can accept it. I, you know, I first learned about this from the 1960s book, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics, written by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. An amazing book. That's when I first learned about how the mind is really what guides us and that it's all, un it's mostly unconscious and until you recognize it you're you're kind of trapped uh you know by your beliefs that you really had nothing to do with creating wow that's i mean that's a lot of what tony robbins talks about when he talks about you know change your story and t harv when he's talking about the the blueprint the, yeah t harv ecker yeah the, the financial blueprint that yeah. those elements Harv's another great guy with you know when it comes to prosperity mindset his book the millionaire mindset was a fantastic book and of course yes tony robbins and and they're you know so so the information's out there yeah <laughs> right there's no shortage it's just right getting the person to be inspired enough to go read it and not think hey you know like that that's that hokey pokey stuff or that that hokey stuff that isn't you know, in reality, I want to know what to do when in reality it's, it's up here first, mm -hmm. you know, I think the go-giver really explains that. I think it's like, thank you. It's that book that I can give to somebody and they, they go through it or they listen to it. And it's the story that's enthralling enough that they can actually see the practical use of it. And because you, you tactically do go through it and yeah, Bob, absolutely fantastic i know i told you 25 minutes so i'm gonna i'm gonna bring this into my favorite part <laughs> okay. if you could go back you know a couple of weeks ago to 20 year old bob berg and go back to yourself and give yourself three pieces of advice that would put you here happier more successful and maybe even achieving more giving back more what what three pieces of advice would you give a 20 year old version of you well so so first i would i would advise myself to just uh, make a study of human nature to understand that's what you, you know, need to do. Uh, I would have also, uh, I'd also tell my 20 year old, make sure that, that everything you do is based on a high character, uh, because your main commodity is going to be the trust that people have for you. But the biggest thing that I'd have told 20 year old Bob Berg is young Bob Berg, shut up and stop talking. Stop thinking you know where it's at. You don't, you know, you yeah. think you figured it out. You haven't. You think you understand the way life works. You don't. Because that's where I was. I thought I knew it all. And it yeah. was only at the point when, at that point when I realized I didn't, and I was willing to listen and not talk, that things started to turn for me. I love it, but Bob. At 20 years old, that would have been a head start. No, it would have been, yeah, you would have been probably where you are now much faster, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sure. So you and I were talking about community and I, I love communities that 
surround themselves with motivated people, inspired people, people are going in the, in the right direction. You've actually got a community that you've built around your, your concepts of being a go-giver. Uh, can you just, before we jump off, I want to find out a little bit more about that and how, if somebody was interested, they could contact you or get more involved. Yeah, sure. It's called the uh, Go-Giver Success Alliance. And it's an online uh, membership community. We call it a mentorship community uh, because it tends to be there a number of very successful people. And we like to say we mentor each other. Okay, I'm kind yeah. of a guide, but really we all mentor each other. And uh, so, it, you know, so it, the flagship part of it is that every week we do one one hour uh, Zoom call. And, um, and yeah, together we uh, learn, we discuss, we strategize, we collaborate. Uh, mainly, we just build very powerful relationships. So there's a lot that goes on back and forth and so forth. But throughout the week, as long as someone has a smartphone, they can always be connected. And it's really a beautiful, beautiful community. So if people go to Berg, B-U-R-G.com, and they scroll down the page, they'll see a graphic that looks like a coffee shop, which of course is Rachel's famous coffee shop, which you'll remember from the, the books, right? And- uh, <laughs> Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they can uh, then see if it's something they, they believe would be of value and they're welcome to join us. Awesome. I'm pulling it up right now so I can take a look at it. Yeah. So Bob, you've, you've given us some amazing advice, some real insights, an opportunity to be able to hang out with you a little bit further in your community. I want to thank you for your time here. You are an alchemist. And as I define an alchemist, it's somebody who can transform other people into a better version of themselves. So thank you for your time, your commitment to the world, your, this community, your community, and everything that you're doing out there. We, we appreciate you. you. You are a light in the darkness. Well, I, you know, Gwalter, I, I just can't thank you enough. You honor me and I love what you are doing and the value you're bringing to others. And I wish you continued stratospheric success. Thank you, my friend. Choose to your success. We have a choice. I always work with the best. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Very cool, man.